This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Thursday, November 25th, 2021. And my guest is the awesome Daniel Bader of Android Police. Hi, Daniel. How are you? Hey, Miriam. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, super happy. It's Thanksgiving today. So for those of you celebrating, you know, have a, hopefully you have a lovely day. I wanted to kind of go over some minimal news items this week, but maybe we can talk about our favorite phones of 2021. I usually do that later in the year, but I don't think we're going to get anything else now. What do you think? No, I doubt it. Um, I mean, I think some people wanting to buy a Pixel 6 won't be able to get it until the end of the year because yeah. of supply constraints. But no big releases coming, you know, unless that uh, much rumored uh, Pixel Fold just magically no, appears. That's but not I, happening. I, I, I don't think so. I don't even think Google would be that stupid that to launch that between Thanksgiving <laughs> and, and Christmas. But I could be wrong. So have you thought about this? Because I have, and it's a hard one this year. Yeah, it's it's been tough because the the obvious choices are going to be boring, um, <laughs> and there aren't there weren't that many surprises. I think the one surprise, and I, you you might disagree with me, was the OnePlus Nine Pro, which I I was expecting to just fall in love with, and I never did. I agree. I agree. Oh, you do. Okay, so that would have been in my top three for sure. Yes, um, but it isn't. Correct. And then in Canada here, we never got the Pixel 5a, so I didn't get Ooh. to review it. Oh, it's and I, so And I feel good. like that sh is probably going to be on your list. It probably will be. It's yeah. kind of crazy that I might actually have two Pixels on my list this year. Mm. Maybe even three. Wow. No, I can't do that. That's too much. I'll have two Pixels on my list, but they're very similar. Okay. Well, let's start. Okay, let's go backwards. So let's start with, if you want to kind of order them from, you know, your number five to number one like you start with number five i'll give you my number five i have to think about okay. this one though Oof. all right so my my number five um would probably be the the samsung galaxy z flip three um it's it's just a it, you know from my perspective it's the most fun phone of the year like with all the colors especially like the bespoke edition um i think that you know from an improvement perspective over the previous gen samsung yeah. did an amazing job um and if i was the kind of person that would spend a thousand dollars on a vertical flip phone um you know the michael fishers of the world who really like love the form factor it would be higher up on my list but i don't benefit as much from it as many other people do i've spent a lot of time at home this year so it's not a the form factor itself is not something that I would seek out, but right. I just think from a year over year improvement, absolutely amazing. Samsung did a great job there, so that's my number five. Okay, wow. Um, so for me, I'm basically thinking about this as I go a little bit because I have two Samsung phones and really three Google phones, but I think I might lump them together as you know, like a number, maybe a number one and a number two or number three. Um, and then that leads me two slots, to three slots, I guess, to come up with other stuff. 
I'm not sure it's my number five, but I think up there for me is the Oppo Find X3 Pro. And I think that it's a tough one because in Canada and the US, I don't know if you guys got it in Canada, but in the US obviously it doesn't exist. But it's, I use it as my daily for about a month and a half. And primarily because I was disappointed with the OnePlus 9 Pro. <laughs> so I was like, okay, like let's, what's the closest thing I can get to that? And it, just, it was just a, such a lovely phone to use. I mean, ColorOS is still not my thing, but I feel like I could get used to it, number one. And number two, that phone is so sleek and thin and relatively light considering it's uh, aluminum and glass. And the camera are so sorted. The color science on that phone is better than the Hasselblad color science in my taste, in my opinion. Yeah. And yes, it's got some issues. The microscope is cool, but gimmicky. The telephoto is only like a 2X or whatever. It's, you know, it's basically just there to check the boxes, but it's actually pretty solid once you use it, which is kind of weird because at 50 megapixel main sensor, you should be able to do 2X zoom without even blinking an eye. So why bother having that extra telephoto? So I shoot a lot at 1.9X on the Oppo Find X3 Pro when I want to zoom in because I just get almost the same magnification as the telephoto with all the benefits of that incredibly good Sony IMX766. And the fact that the ultra wide and the main sensor match really gives you a level of, of creativity that is uh, unmatched because you get a perfect color science across your ultra wide shots. And then of course, I think it has autofocus on the ultra wide, which lets you do macro shots. In addition to have the crazy microscope, it's really a good camera system. So, and finally, what really made it for me was last year, I would have loved to pick the Find X2 Pro as my, one of my top five, but it was the lack of wireless charging that killed it. And the Oppo Find X3 Pro does have that. So I don't know if it's my number four, my number five, you know, but it's definitely up there. So there you go. Kudos to Oppo. Interesting. I actually had this phone as my number four. So I liked it a lot. I, I reviewed it for Android Central. And um, I found it was, in many ways, in, in every way except the one that you mentioned, was the best. It was, it was a massive improvement year over year. So I... There were two things about the Find X2 Pro that I preferred. It was the uh, Periscope telephoto yeah, of camera, which was outstanding for the time. Uh, Samsung beat it slightly this year, but not by much with the Ultra, Correct. S21 Ultra. Yeah, And the fact that that colorful pleather back was just oh. something you never saw in any other phone. Yeah. I'm sad that Oppo got went away from that design, even though I really liked the Find X3 Pro's kind of unified glass design with that, the back sort of like, just, it, it, it's it's like liquid metal. It just curves right into that camera module. It, it's really nice to hold in the hand, quite slippery. And I really didn't like how slippery it was, um, but that's true of any glass phone. But right. honestly, I felt it was a really well-designed, well-executed upgrade over the X2 Pro. I have issues with color OS, that still have not been addressed specifically in the notification oh, yeah. shade. Like the way that Color West treats notifications is is like an insult to Android 11. <laughs> I haven't used Android 12 yet, so I don't know. Have you tried it on I the haven't tried Find it X3? On 12 yet, no. No, so I don't know. I'm hoping they fix some of those really pernicious issues with notifications. Um, but overall, I loved it. I thought it was easily my like. 
I showed you right before we started recording, I have a bunch of plants in my in my office, so I've become obsessed yeah. with like finding little bugs on them, which <laughs> destroy my plants. I use the Find X3 Pro microscope to find all these little bugs on my plants earlier this summer. And honestly, it was terrifying because you got to see them in really good detail. <laughs> yeah. But also really fun. And I really liked the microscope on it. So yeah, that was a it was a good gimmick in my opinion. Yeah, it's an interesting choice they made, but I think this phone overall, you know, it's the only thing that if this could run Oxygen OS, it would just be it should be amazing. Of course, 5G support for North America would be a nice to I mean I was hovering between LT and HSPA plus the whole time I used it, which was bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it worked, but it was, you know, far from optimal. <laughs> Even on Timo, which still has 3G here. So, you know, yeah. Let's move to number four. What's your, what? So obviously that's your number four? Yeah, the Find X3 right. Pro is my number four. I think for me, um, I don't know. I, I kind of want to throw a, um, a couple of phones again that, that are hard to position. I think I think I'll just pick one. Xiaomi Mi 11 Ultra. Mm. It's a tough one because again, the software is a bit problematic. It's also a hulking huge phone. It might be bigger than the Galaxy S21 Ultra, and that is as you know from the Pixel 6 Pro, which is also bigger than the Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra. I really thought when I saw the S21 Ultra that nothing was going to be bigger this year. And then Xiaomi came out with the 11 Ultra and and Pixel 6 Pro came around. So I was like, okay, maybe like seriously going from the Find X3 Pro to the to the Pixel 6 Pro as my daily, I felt like I was literally doubling the thickness of of my of my phone in my hand. It was ridiculous. Um and the height and the width and everything. But the the 11 I think is the beginning of something we saw partially on other phones kind of all globed together. We saw some of it on the uh, the S21 Ultra. We saw some of it on the Find X3 Pro with the matching sensors. And the, the high megapixel count telephoto that we see on the Pixel 6 Pro as well. It has all of that, right? So it mm-hmm. has, you know, it has that incredible GN1 sensor as its main sensor. It's a precursor to the Pixel 6 Pro in that sense. It has a 48 megapixel ultra wide and a 48 megapixel telephoto. And it's a 5X and it's incredible because you don't only just get 5X zoom, just like the Pixel. They have their own super zoom algorithm at Xiaomi. They don't use it Mm -hmm. on all their phones, but some phones, of course, the flagships generally have it. And you can continue to zoom and it uses that pixel binned large 48 megapixel sensor to get to, to, you know, get you more detail. And it's in that sense, it can compete with the S21 Ultra, just like the Pixel 6 Pro does, even though it doesn't have a 10x optical telephoto. And, you know, uh, the, 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 the poster stamp screen on the back is a total gimmick. But if you want to take selfies with a really good camera that has a really creamy natural bouquet, the main sensor, right? It's like, here you go, right? So there's so many little things there. And I just kind of wish that A, it had 5G support for our parts of the world, and B, Xiaomi. You know, I I just can't get on board with their software. I, I can live with ColorOS better than I can live with MIUI myself. So that's mm. the big, that's the big, also really big phone. But damn, it has everything. Wireless charging, you name it. And then what is it? 66 watt or like some ridiculous amount of watts of charging for the main, for the, for the wired. I mean, it yeah, has 67 watts and fast charging at the same rate exactly. if you have a compatible it's crazy. charger. It's crazy. 
it, that thing is just like felt like everything in the kitchen sink. And I think it didn't get a lot of press because on, they didn't have a lot of units to go out. It seems, and you know, mostly in North America, almost nobody had it. I kind of wish I did more content on it because it was so freaking good. The photos on that phone just, you know, rule. And, and I said I was going to do honorable mention, and I, I don't think I think going to retract that. But I, if I had to do honorable mention at the same level, I would say the the Vivo X series. The they came out with two of them this year, the 6C and the 70 series. But the Pro Pluses are incredible phones with incredible sensors and incredible camera systems and incredible color signs. And they don't qualify too much to me because their the software is even worse than ColorOS. I mean, they're BBK Group, but they're you know, Vivo is kind of like. BBK group not integrated with, you know, Oppo OnePlus. So it's interesting in that sense because they're kind yeah, of I on have, their own. I've heard that this is kind of like a camera that has a phone attached to it Basically, you know, more than any other because yeah. that's really the emphasis from Vivo. And that gimbal module they have on each of these phones is super interesting. It actually is not that great for video. You'd think it would be. But I mean, the the problem with all these phones we've talked so far is nothing can touch the iPhone for video yet. So, right that that point, it's moot. So, I would say that if you're into photography, look at any of the phones we just mentioned because they are really interesting. The problem with the Vivos is the the negative is that they are no wireless charging. I think maybe the seven the X seventy Pro Plus finally has it, but at least until now they didn't have it. And then there there's smaller phones which I think I like. They're 6.5, 6.4 inch. They're not like seven, almost seven inch big like the Mi 11 and, and the phones we all love and use. Um, in that sense, you know, it's kind of the Oppo Find X3 Pro. They're, they're just more manageable, um, even though they give you a flagship experience and have really good displays. So I would just kind of, as, as an aside, say that if you're looking at these weird phones, maybe consider that one of those as well, but I don't have as much data with it. Because I don't yeah. have the 70. I have the, only the 60 Pro Plus. I don't have the 70 Pro Plus. I have the 70 Pro regular, which is a MediaTek Dimensity 1200, which has all the cameras, has a periscope and everything, but it doesn't have the ISP, I think. That's mm, uh, custom yeah, ISP. adds a, a little bit of je ne sais quoi. No, no. It's on the Pro Plus. They actually have their own ISP. Oh, I see. Like, okay. Kind of like, you know, Tensor or... You know, Sony on the Xperia Pro I has mm. used the Bion Z from the point-and-shoot camera. So it's it's interesting that there's more and more of those completely separate ISPs happening as well. But anyway, that's my number four. Let's go to your number three. All right. So my number three is the um, Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of the obvious one. And then this, this is... I had to go back and forth because um, the S21 Ultra is the standard bearer, right, for a lot of Android flagships. I think Samsung made up for a lot of the mistakes of the S20 Ultra and then went beyond that. The design is better. The cameras are much improved. Software is no longer, doesn't get in your way. But it's just not an interesting phone, really. It's just, it, it's a good, solid upgrade to previous Samsung flagships. You're I right. don't think it's boring, but it's so freaking good. It's just reliable. Like it's just, it does I've everything well. Gone back from the Pixel Six Pro to the S Twenty One Ultra, and the machining on the exterior is just more precise. The materials are slightly nicer. 
the display is so much nicer than on the Pixel 6 Pro. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, the way that you tend to go into these review cycles is because we we use these phones very intensely and then we sort of put them aside for another review, we forget about how good Samsung's early year, like early in the year releases are. Mm -hmm. So the S21 series has sort of been forgotten or put, put on by the wayside by now since the foldables came out and everybody sort of went crazy about that. But I really do think Samsung has perfected the model of releasing an ultra phone and as good as the S21 and S21 Plus are, those are, you know, they do what they need to do. They're they're relatively inexpensive. And I and I think Samsung deserves props for releasing the S21 at $700, 100%. which is a $200 yep. discount over the previous year. You'll be able to find that for less than that over Black Friday and, and oh, stuff, which is great. Oh, you'll probably be able to get it for 400 bucks, I, I bet. Or probably yeah. for free as a BOGO or whatever. I mean, you, yeah, they, they might as well. But also things like the haptics, Samsung just does a better job on haptics. The camera is my only hang, my only hang up, where it's not as good as the Pixel, and that is probably why it isn't a number two or number one, because I don't like using the primary camera on the S twenty one Ultra compared to the Pixel Six Pro, mm -hmm. um, especially taking photos of people. I I think Samsung still has not nailed the the smoothing like facial smoothing is still an issue for sure. cannot turn off it just they don't the iq isn't there so i have a daughter she moves around a lot and i've said this for years that samsung does not help parents take photos of their kids or dogs like they should know that okay here's a big camera sensor we have the ability to ramp up iso temporarily if there's a lot of action on the viewfinder and we should trade some grain for uh, less motion blur, right? That should just be a decision that the camera makes, but it doesn't. And it's always at one over 30, one over 20, maintaining a 500 to 800 ISO, even indoor. Like it's just, it's not a, it's not a good, it's not a good scene in my opinion. Yeah. So. I feel for me, it's the, the thing that saved the S21 and makes me go back to it is the ultra wide being so wide compared to so yeah. many other phones that don't have wide ultra wides. <laughs> and I know it's silly, but I do photos of cars a lot, yeah. right? For my, for my gig with tech radar. And I need an ultra wide. That's an ultra wide. Like I can't, I can't have an ultra wide. That's like the pixel six pro ultra wide is it's too narrow. And so I like the fact that, you know, it's a pretty solid ultra wide. And then there's still, you know, glass is still glass. And there's telephotos having the choice between actual real optical three X and 10 X. It's still really nice. Although I have, as I said, with the Mi 11 Ultra at 5X with, with big sensor and the you know, Pixel 6 Pro at 4X with big sensor, I'm like, okay, maybe maybe this is not an issue. Like maybe, maybe we're good, right? Like maybe we don't need two telephotos anymore. Although there's a lot of discussion. I don't know if you know Steve Litchfield in the UK. He's a, he's a longtime tech reporter who really focuses on mobile photography. And we've been talking- sure. And we've noticed something, nobody's written about this yet, is that the super zoom, super res zoom does not work on the main sensor on the 6 Pro between 1X and 4X. So it does on the 6, like you get super res zoom from 1X all the way up to, well, 1.1X all the way up to whatever the maximum that the 6 can do, 7, 8, mm -hmm. whatever it is. But on the 
Pixel 6 Pro, you get one one you know one X and you get no super zoom super resume until four and of course then the telephoto kicks in and it doesn't always kick in by the way I don't know if you've noticed in low light oh, doesn't yeah. kick it's in until seven X or something and so then it's it's like it's a mush mess and that sense the Galaxy S twenty one Ultra with a proper three X telephoto in the middle there will even though it doesn't do the computational you know zooming it, it at least gives you a better experience at three X than the Pixel 6 Pro does, which is weird because the Pixel 6 gives you a better photo at 3X than the Pixel 6 Pro. That's wild. I actually have not, I've not experienced that. The best way to test it is to point at something with a lot of detail, like your, your computer screen, white background with some text on it, mm-hmm. and you know, like step back a few feet, take a photo in good light, so that it, doesn't, it actually switches to telephoto. Take it at 4X to the telephoto, you'll get a very clear photo, lots of detail, right? There's no... There's no super res zoom here. It's just a 4X telephoto photo. Then you put it to 3.9 and it switched to the main camera and you take the photo and you'll see it's a complete disaster. It's ugly as sin. And it's definitely not doing super zoom. You grab the Pixel 6 and you take that same 3.9 times shot and boom, it's super zoom res. It's nice. It's very close to what the 6 Pro generates to the 4. And I think yeah. it's a software thing. I think they're going to enable that at some point. I don't know why they don't have enable. So there you go. That's a Google, like, that's a just a typical Google oversight whenever it launches a Pixel. It could be related to the weight of the phone. That's Steve's theory, that they can't, they don't have enough motion on the, on the OIS compensates too well for motion because the phone is so heavy, it doesn't move as much in your hand. And because of that, they can't get a reliable super zoom to work because it requires your hands to move or yeah, the but lens to move. The 6 Pro is only... What, five or so grams heavier than the six? Okay, so that shouldn't make any difference. Let me it's double check lot. that, but it, it can't be that much. I mean, they're, okay. they're very similar sizes. I mean, that's what Steve's theory was, and I thought, I thought that was a little much. I actually yeah, think- Yeah, three grams, only three, three grams, grams more okay, than so the, it makes than no, the It should make no difference, so that's not it. Anyway, they're mm. not doing it for whatever reason. It's really annoying because I feel personally portraits and stuff, 2X, right? You really want the super res zoom there. And you only get that on the 6, not on 6 Pro right now. I thought he was crazy. I tried it, and it's 100% true. It's like, ugh. Anyway. <laughs> Very weird. I love tangents. But going back to the S21 Ultra, which is your number three, it's my number yeah. two. Okay. So I've, I, I like it for me because it just does everything really well. Like I, I'm, Again, I'm not a huge fan of the software. It's certainly better than ColorOS or or, or MIUI, or Vivo's Touch, whatever it is, that's some weird name that's really wrong. Uh, but the, the, the point is that I do, you know, I, I'm a bit of a Pixel purist with software on phones, or, or at least a, a Moto slash Sony, like very lightweight, you know, AOSP skinning, right? Although I have to say, Pixel has gotten pretty heavy skinned, if you think about it, especially with oh, Material yeah. U. But it's very well done. And so... I, I found that, I, to me, I would say that uh, Samsung's previous iteration of their skin, 2.0, was, was better, I think, than 3.0. I feel 3.0 has gotten heavier again, somehow. I don't know if you feel that way. Not really. I, I think there are still areas where um, things are, are, it just inherits legacy bad decisions, right? Like, they've mm-hmm. been... It's sort of like the Windows 11 problem where there's a, <laughs> a very clear attempt to show the new things on the surface, but then when you dig into the settings and 
Can you go into more legacy apps and settings? There's just a lot of bad decisions that have been held over from previous generations. I like I I agree that it's still heavier than it should be, but it's by no means a it's no means a slog. And I and I no. and I think like at this at this point, Samsung has partnered with Google in as many places as it can without losing the Samsungness of its um, OS, like messages, for instance, I guess not in the US, but like the messages app is a is the default messaging app. I agree. No, I think it's very good, but I'm just being picky. I feel like I just don't have the flow that I get on on a Pixel or Moto or even a Sony phone. Um, and maybe I'm just old fashioned and I can't get used to new things. I don't know. I just, you know, even even on iPhone, I get better flow somehow. And I'm not an iPhone user. Like, you know, it's when you're in the task, you're trying to really get things done. I just feel like Samsung just, eh, I just find it gets in the way. But look, it's a great phone. Like I, if you give me an S21 Ultra, or even S21, I'd be on board. I'd use it. It's good. Like if that's all I could have, I'll take it. Very, very good. That's kind of how I see it. But I think, um, you know, for me, it ties to me in number two with a completely different phone that is also made by Samsung, which is the Z Flip 3. I love mm. it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I so love it. It's so good this year. I like the last year one, but this year I just feel like, yeah, sure, the cameras could be better, but they're solid because they're kind of like the Pixel, that sensor combo and lens combo they've been using forever on so many phones. You know, it's still Samsung's tuning, but they've really tweaked it and perfected it in such a way that I think it's solid. It's not going to be, you know, as good as an S21 Ultra, but also it folds and also it's water kind of water resistant and, and it's more rugged and looks better. And it, I just love the kind of the fashion aspect that they yeah. have in this phone, that it's the first phone that I really feel since maybe the, the Moto X, you know, where you could design your own, right? Where you kind of have that, that kind of, you know, looking at not just tech, but just design and getting mm -hmm. people a personalized experience. And I think for that, and, and the price is unreal. Like you can choose to buy an iPhone or S21 plus, you know, or you can buy a Z Flip 3 and you're paying the same about $1,000. It's like, wow, like they managed to do that. If they can bring it down to 600 next year, uh, but maybe a version that's not the flagship flip, like a cheaper flip that has a Snapdragon 778 or something or whatever the new Snapdragon naming will be for the, the 7 series chip. Do that. I think people are just going to gobble that up, you know? I, I, I don't see it going below 1,000 for the next couple of generations. But okay. I agree with you. I mean, I absolutely agree that this is where Samsung can separate itself from everybody else. I just think the, I mean, especially with the fact that there's a chip shortage and supply chain constraints probably until the end of 2022, I doubt that the Flip 4 will be lower than 1,000. But I'm hopeful that by the time the 5 or 6 yeah. comes out, we'll be at a seven $800 price point. Um, I mean, TCL made that $699 competitor right that never sold. well sort of it, it, it's not a it's not real no but, but my point is they were toying they, they came close to doing it it just i think mm -hmm. honestly again as you said if ship supplies weren't happening right now this year i think tcl would have come out with that phone for 700 bucks 
Yeah, and I think it would have been a disaster because TCL <laughs> has not made a good phone in a long time. But I would like I would I would very much like to see. I think Samsung is maybe. I mean, we'll see what happens with this OnePlus. It was rumored OnePlus foldable, but or maybe even Motorola if it can come out with a second gen Moto Razor that isn't complete garbage. Oh, Moto. Yeah, but no, look, no, I agree. I happening. think like there's a reason I put this on my um, in my top five, but I just I I never got the sense that it was like a must buy. It was more just like a nice to have. I know, but I think to me it's a it's a milestone in the sense that it's a milestone in tech, it's a milestone in fashion and design, it's a yeah. milestone in in form factor, making this form factor finally viable. Like I think until now it wasn't viable, and I still think the fold is not a viable form factor. Like yeah, you and me, hundred percent, Michael Fisher, those folks. Tech savvy mm-hmm. early adopters. The fold is great. I I love it. I think it's a technologically an amazing device, and it does deliver. It does a good job. But that's not the phone people want. I, yeah. I kind of feel like the Z Flip could be the phone people want, and I don't think Moto will ever catch up. I don't mm-hmm. think they can. I think that they're already two years into the Razor, and it, nothing's come out of it other than a revised five G version. And other than the slightly bigger screen, which is now becoming less of an issue with the Z Flip, which I'm sure will have an even bigger screen next year in the front, it's like you can't, Samsung is just on a steamroller path forward to making cheaper, better, and and Moto can't compete because Moto is just lost. Moto is just so confused right now. They don't know what they're doing. You know, I got to play with the Moto Edge 20 mm-hmm. and the real one, like the the one you get maybe in Canada, but definitely get in Europe, not the crappy Edge 2021 edition that we get here. And it's such a nice phone, but it's also the, you know, the camera doesn't deliver and et cetera, et cetera. Yet it's still a much better phone than the one we get. So can you imagine we get a worse piece of hardware with all the same compromises? I just, Moto's just got to get, you know, I don't know, they got to do something, but it's not what they're doing now. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> so anyway, Number two for me is S21 Ultra. You're but number... you missed your number three. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm going. So my number okay, three is good. the iPhone 13. All of it. Ah, okay. Because look, the reality is I'm not an iPhone user, but I know a lot of my friends are, a lot of people out there are, and it is so good. Like, I really thought the 12, like the 12 was a master. I thought the 12, we're going to look back at the 12 and go like, this was really when... Apple got serious about imaging. But no, mm-hmm. no, the 13 is even better in every way. And the fact that you now have, you know, sensor shift in body stabilization on the regular Pro is, I think, the killer app because yeah. I don't want a phone that big. If I was an iPhone user, it'd be the 13 Pro, not the Pro Max. And there you go. That's your phone. It does everything. It does it really well. It does really good photography. It, it kills in video. You know, even the selfie camera takes incredible 4K 60 video and takes incredible photos. And everything about it is rock solid. Battery life is even better. Performance is off the charts. I have to include, I cannot not include the iPhone in there. And so I'm thinking, where do I put that? And it's my number three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're you're not wrong. I've used the 13 Pro a little bit this year. Um, One thing that, is one thing that really surprised me is is less about the hardware, which is really good, but the fact that I've started really liking Apple Arcade games. Like oh, really? the games that they put <laughs> in Apple Arcade make my $5 a month worth it. Okay. And those are games that you can't buy or, or get on Android. And right. there's a few games that I'm like, I really miss that 
uh, when I don't have them. And um, it's weird. Like, I did not expect it. I don't use or care about any under other Apple services, but somehow, like, when you start getting used to playing premium or well-made games that don't have any in-app purchases and you can take it for gr- take for granted that many of those games were developed for Apple Arcade so that they didn't... It wasn't like the ones in Google's Play, uh, Play Pass where a lot of the games just had those IAPs like stripped out, but they right. still... But the structure of the game hasn't been changed. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's kind of a, a weird they thing. They hooked but, you, man. That's it. You're going to be an iPhone user soon, like like Ruddock. <laughs> I don't think I'll go that far. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think, I, I don't know. I, I think they did a, a lot of very interesting things with the 13 uh, Pro this year, but it didn't make my top five because like, I just don't, I don't use it a, a often enough to care. Yeah, I just feel that I got to give Apple kudos for the tech and the, and the polish and the just the, they just keep refining. I just I don't know how they do it. Like I really thought it'd just be a minor revision, and yet here we are. I think it's a more it's more than a minor revision for the things that matter to me, which are imaging uh, and other areas. Like you know, battery battery life is a huge deal. Yeah, battery life's been great. It. So, okay, what's your number two then? The Galaxy Z Fold Three. Oh, there we go. So, we just touched on that. Yeah, I bought it with my own money. Like this phone was a. Like when I when I left Android Central, I did I no longer had a budget to buy phones anymore. This was like a I just wanted to buy this phone for myself because I knew that I would want to have a foldable. Um, and I just I thought Samsung killed it. Like I've loved every aspect of this phone except for the typing. That's been a pain in my ass for as long as I've had it. But it's getting better, actually. Like every update to the Samsung keyboard makes me more confident that the company will get it eventually. Um, plus, I'm just getting more used to the split screen. But everything else about this phone just kills it, and I'm so excited for Android 12L because I feel like they're building Android 12L with this phone in mind. Right? They yeah. have it's like the nexus of the Android 12L developer kit. And that just makes me super happy because that'll mean we'll get it sooner than later, right? The fact that they're rolling out Android 12 already to yeah. um, most of the 2021 flagships. So we'll probably get it in like February or March on the Z, Flip, Z Fold 3. And like all of the things that we're seeing Google doing with Android 12L is like specifically built for this form factor. It's so exciting. Finally. Um, I, I'm super pumped. I just want the developers to be on board, though, because I think another thing, going back to my iPhone 13, you know, like, or like the, the fact that I like it, is that the apps are just so good. Like, you know, mm-hmm. every creator I know, well, I was at Snapdragon Summit with Fisher and SuperSaf and all those guys, you know, and, and you know, the, everybody's using an iPhone for everything. They're creating all their content on iPhone. And it's not just because, I mean, they're all using pixels. Their personal phones are all pixels. We, we had more pixels in that location at Laguna Beach and more MacBook Pro 14s and 16s <laughs> per capita than I've ever seen in my life. It was incredible. But iPhones were still the tool they were using because Instagram is better on iPhone for in terms of image quality, feature set, you yeah. know. I guess if you're using TikTok, it's also better on iPhone. And these folks, you know, that's what they do. They they create content on all these different platforms all the time. And of course, video, we all know video is better on the iPhone still. And so it's crazy to me that the apps are so good. So I really hope that with Android L, we get 
finally get some developers looking at this going, okay, we're going to make an app that we're not, we're not part of Samsung or part of Google, but we're going to make an app that really takes advantage of, say, the Fold 3's form factor and scales to other folding phones of the similar form factor automatically if Huawei or you know, BBK Group comes out with a folding phone of a similar vein in the future because that's the thing that's missing right now. Like, I personally right. love the Fold 3 from a technical perspective, but I find it unusable because I cannot adapt. Like, I cannot run, I cannot manage the multitasking, the windowing. It's just a pain in the ass. I don't want to deal with it. I just want to have a screen that I can just use. I'm I'm a one-app per screen kind of person anyway. If I want bigger real estate, I pull out a laptop. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't mm -hmm. I don't like tablets because of that. Like, I just yeah. don't have a use for them, but that's just me. And I think that for me to be able to switch to a phone like that, I would need to have some sort of like really kind of AI driven, almost management of the windowing because not all the apps support the, the larger screen. Right. right. So, yeah. I think you're right. I also think Samsung's labs stuff did a good job forcing apps into, into the flex mode and, like it didn't it doesn't always work out and Samsung hacks are, are usually just that. They're they're hacks that are billed as features. But I think I'm hoping at least that developers who understand where the market is going and the fact that Android is going to increasingly differentiate itself with foldables will take advantage of those form factors. Yeah. No, I I hear I, I hear you. But that's why I, did, I picked the picked the Z Flip over the Z Fold for me, and I kind of lumped it in with the S Twenty One Ultra because they're just kind of like the two Samsung phones I would buy. Yeah. And overall, they're the closest experience that makes me happy of all the phones. You know, that's also experience wise, right? Which I think brings you to you know brings us to number one. And then obviously, I have an idea what your number one is gonna yeah, be. But can so. you just tell us now? Everybody's dying here. Yeah. So it's the Pixel Six and not the Six Pro. And I'm, Good call. And I'm I'm saying this not because I don't like the six Pro, but because I think the six the six is the deal of the year. It's the deal of the decade. It's the it's the win that Google's been looking for since 2016. I have not enjoyed using a phone more than the the six in many years. I think in, even though it has some issues there's software bugs i don't think the 5g connectivity is nearly as good as it should be overall google nailed it i have i i, I miss the telephoto from the 6 pro and we can talk about why i think the 6 pro's telephoto is the most underrated part of that entire phone it's totally worth those extra 300 dollars. it is worth it but if you're if you have a budget and you're oh, not yeah. really looking to to push it this is the only option. Like, I will not, I will tell you to forego this S21 at $600 for Black Friday if you can find a Pixel 6 in stock at full price. Like, that's how important I think this phone is. 100%. It obliterates everything. One plus nine out of the picture. S20 fan edition out of the picture, even though that's a year old now. S21 base out of the picture. It's just, it's just nothing comes close. Like you look at every phone in the six hundred dollar range, none of them have, like none have the, none of them have the combo, right? Of wireless charging, OIS on the main lens, metal and glass build. It's either one or the other, or two of those that you get on these other phones. Example: OnePlus Nine, tragically 
stupid decision because they made that phone for carriers. Let's mm -hmm. not kid ourselves. That phone in the US is custom made for carriers with wireless charging, which is not on any OnePlus 9 in other parts of the world and has no OIS on the main lens. The Nord 2 has OIS on the main lens. The Nord 2 is a phenomenal phone for $300 less. It's exactly what the 9 should be, except maybe with a flagship chip, right? So I, I feel like this is the thing about the Pixel 6. It's metal and glass, OIS, wireless charging. You don't have to compromise. You get all the whole shebang for six, 700, whatever it is, right? It's like, wow, I don't know what to say. So I agree with you. That's also my number one. Like, I just can't, you know, I'm a six pro person. I would say if you have the money, like the $300, you you know, you get a lot of that for the $300. You get a quad issue display. It's curved, which is, mm, you get, you know, telephoto that's unbelievable. You get a bigger phone with a bigger battery. But honestly, I could be 100% happy with the six. And I want to mention the 5A because, look, if you don't have the budget to buy the 6, the 5A is ridiculously good for what, $450 US dollars. Of course, you can't get in most markets, which is a tragedy. That phone, Daniel, that phone is boring AF when you look at it. It's just like you're like, oh, another one of those Pixel 4, 5, you know, designs. And just there's nothing to it. Like, it just feels like, you know how apps show a generic, Android phone in the in the like settings or whatever the the, the onboarding sometimes it's exactly sure. that phone like it's just yeah. the generic does it all phone and then you start using it especially with Android 12 now because mine has received Android 12 and it's like you're getting that Pixel 6 experience 99% of it for even less money of course you don't get wireless charging but you get a better fingerprint sensor you get a better fingerprint sensor, you get a headphone jack, and more importantly, you get a camera system that I would dare to say is better sorted. Mm -hmm. I think my biggest problem with the 6 and 6 Pro right now, even though they are very, very good, is that there's so much more potential in that GN1 main sensor. They're not even exploring and exploiting half of what that sensor can do. Agreed. Two more generations of that sensor, and I know like people are going to be, but Miriam, like, they can't just sit on another sensor for two, three more years. I, actually, I want them to. I want them to because I want to get the goodness we see on the 5A. You know, the 5A is so good, so well-tuned. I think it's even better than the previous generations, like the 5 and the 4A. Like, they've just tweaked it just a little bit more. Yeah, but if you think about it, it's it's like using the same vehicle body as the 3A, right? It, it's the yeah. 3A, 4A, 4A, 5G, and 5A, right? This is the perfect template that they used for the previous generation, and they perfected it. And then the 6 is a net new design in every way. Yeah. So hopefully the 6A, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, is going to bring over a lot of those benefits to the cheaper form factor. But like, you know, my biggest gripe right now with the 6 is that its fingerprint sensor is not great because this is the first time Google has rolled out a, an optical fingerprint sensor. By next generation, I have absolutely no doubt that it will be completely fine and nobody will talk about it. I'm actually thinking it's just a software thing. They just need to tune in some more. Because the hardware is proven. Well, like yeah, Gen it's a good six optical now. sensor, right? It's the same as on the OnePlus 9 series. So they're just letting us down is what I'm saying. Come on, Google. 
And you know, the pricing is incredible on these phones, all of them, all three of them. That's why for me, they're my number one as a group because I can't pick one. Like this, if I had two, it's a six. But the six addresses kind of that sweet spot. The 4A gets you there if you're even on a lower price tier and budget, especially with Android 12. And Agreed. then the 6 Pro is like the ball's out. Like you just go nuts. You get the whole the whole shebang. And yeah, you're right. You know, fingerprint sensor issues, that that lack of uh, super res zoom on the main sensor on the 6 right now uh, in, the, in between 1 to 4X is an issue, I think, and needs to resolve. And there's a few other things. It's a big phone. It's heavy. You know, the screen is not that great. I'm. I, it's not very bright compared to a Samsung or even Oppo. Uh, I live in California where it's super bright all the time. I notice the brightness. On, anything that's less than a thousand nits on a phone nowadays is garbage, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm not talking about peaks. I'm talking about sustain the thousand nits. Just like give me a display I can just read in the sun all the time. Yeah, the battery's going to go to death, but whatever. I'm not in the sun that long you know so i don't know i think the i didn't think that pixel was going to be the number one this year because i wasn't sure what they were going to deliver it started to look pretty promising though around june and then from the leaks and then here we are right yeah i i, I agree that it's not a perfect phone but it's good enough in almost every area for me to recommend to the average person who's not looking for an iphone 13 correct and that's unfortunately not that many people. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Although more than any other, hopefully more than any other Pixel generation. Indeed. I think this, with the right marketing, this could work. But I'm afraid that, you know, the carriers obviously don't care. I'm not seeing much push from them. I'm seeing a lot of push from Google. But um, even OnePlus put more push into their phone through T-Mobile than Google is putting through T-Mobile, for example. And T-Mobile is kind of an ideal partner for this phone, the 6 and 6 Pro. So I'm a little... I thought there's going to be more of a marketing push. I'm not seeing it. Maybe it's going to change with this weekend, uh, Thanksgiving and Black Friday, but I'm still not seeing it. Well, if you're not seeing it now, I don't think you're going to see it. That's my point. I think this is, a, this is another one of those, if you know, you know. But I mean, remember, the Pixel's not, not even on the... Like T-Mobile's homepage right now, if you go to it, it's iPhone 13, um, Galaxy Watch, App Apple Watch SE, iPhone, Motorola, and then cheap Samsung phones. And not even OnePlus. Wow. Okay. Not even OnePlus. Because that's been their big, you know, their big love affair for the last few years. And rightfully so. I think the 8 and 8 Pro were great. The 9 is a bust. The 9 Pro is a solid phone, but it's just not good enough and too expensive. And uh, that's why I want to talk about some uh, leaks and rumors. I want to transition. Okay. So the 10 Pro has been rumoring on and off for a while. And this is a OnePlus 10 Pro. And, you know, I noticed that we talked about it last week because there's some rumors, but the latest rumor has the specs. So what do you think? Uh, I mean, look, it's, it's interesting. I, I think the design seems... Like it's taking a page out of the S21 playbook, just as the S22 is going to move away from that like unified yeah. um, camera module attached to the frame. So, okay, you know, you do you, OnePlus, so you're behind everybody else. But um, there's nothing surprising here. So we're going to have the Snapdragon, whatever it's called, yeah. uh, you know, 8 Gen 1, or that's the rumored name. Um, I'm more interested in which cameras sensors they're going to exactly. use. 
So it looks you know? like a 48 main and a 50 ultra wide. So that's very similar to what we have now. But what 48 megapixel sensor is on the market right now that could compete with the GN2? Uh, the one from uh, Sony that's in the 8 Pro and the 9. Right. This is 716. What is it? 769? 789. 789? Yeah. Say. Is that a 48 though? That's a 48. So they're just going to reuse it or get a, they the next might. generation version? It's a really good sensor. I, I actually think they should have gone dual 766, you know, like the Oppo Find X3 Pro, because I'm bet I'm almost 100% sure the ultrawide on this is a, is a 766 again. So why not go dual 50? But the GN1, the problem... Okay, here's my thing, right? I don't want people to... And I noticed that with the Mi 11 Ultra. I don't want companies to necessarily use the Samsung sensors unless they're Samsung. In the case of the Pixel, it works because, well, they work closely with Samsung and they have their special sauce and they're yeah. able to tune it for it. But every time I see a Samsung sensor, GN1, GN2 on like the Vivos or the Mi 11 Ultra, whatever, they're not quite as good, in my opinion, as what Sony's doing with sensors like the 766. Yeah. Like in low light, like they have huge sensors, they have big pixels, and they have incredibly nice shallow depth of field and all that. But when you look at the actual pictures in low light, the 766 has a better job. And so I'm more of a Sony IMX kind of person. Like if I have a choice, that's what I'd like to see on these phones. And especially because BBK Group seems to have more experience using those sensors mm -hmm. than anyone else. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if this is all Sony and they're just recycling parts here because it's more affordable. And that's okay, because if they have Hasselblad on board helping them tune this better, that reference hardware, 689, 766, is being around long enough that they can do a really good job with it. I'm not against it at all. Like, I think this could be solid. Yeah, you're not You're not wrong. I think this, the 789 was underutilized in 100%. the OnePlus 9 Pro. And yeah. they did mention around the release of the 9 Pro that the next generation would have more, they would do more work with Hasselblad to actually integrate those experiences and that and that uh, knowledge. So yeah, it definitely doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So we'll see what happens, but I just I'll I'll link to the store on Android Police. Yet yet more rumors and leaks on the 10 Pro. It seems that we're getting a whole bunch in two or three weeks in a row here. So I'm interested because I still believe OnePlus got sidetracked this year by um, just kind of cruising along. I don't think they expected Google to do what they did. I don't think anybody did outside of Google knew and Samsung knew. But I think that because of that, they're no longer competitive and they can correct that. They still have room to correct that. And, and I think that I'm not expecting them to be the, the value leader anymore at all, but I expect them to do better value than they did in 2021. And I'm hoping the 10 Pro and the 10 are a little more affordable maybe like $899 or $999, but $999 is, is a lot already. So maybe $899 and $699. Remember, uh, they were supposed to release two versions of the 9 Pro, right? It was the 969 oh, yeah, entry right. start, like the entry level version, they never and the did. 10.69 that had 12256. And we never got the entry version. Yeah. They, they claimed it had to do with uh, part shortages, which, sure. But like the fact that we were able in our reviews to say this is under a thousand dollars, it never yeah, came to pass. It never and that's, did. Yeah, that was that was pretty shitty. Yeah, I agree. I think that we need to uh, we need to call them on that, and you just did, and I appreciate that because I think 
they 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 really need to look at their pricing strategy with with what's going on right now, especially if Samsung launches an, uh, an S twenty one fan edition in January, which they might. So anyway, let's see what happens. Uh, related to that, because it's BBK Group, Oppo is about to announce the Reno Seven. If you're not keeping track at home in this. 2021 year we've gotten the reno 5 the reno 6 and the reno 7 at this point it's like i love the reno phones but oppo's got to stop like it used to be you'd get one or two renos a year now you're getting three renos a year and i can't keep track i i played with the reno 5 back in february march and then i never got the six because i didn't have time it was summer and all the other big stuff was happening and now they have a seven and that seven looks cool like it has a notification light around the rim of the camera pod cool awesome i actually kind of love the industrial design it looks like it's slab-sided like the iphone i love slab-sided phones i don't know what it is i like really square rectangular phones so i'm kind of looking forward and the, the renos are always aesthetically really pleasing phones even though they're material wise a little cheap a plasticky but you can do more with plastic in terms of colors than you can with glass and aluminum so did you ever have um, the Oppo Find 7 back in the day? No, I didn't. Okay, so this was, I forget how, how old it is, but this also had like this pulsing LED light at the bottom to indicate incoming notifications. Um, I like this implementation a lot, you know, having a, a, a ring of multiple LED colors around the camera module makes sense because you put your phone down on its face, you, it lets you know what kind of notifications are coming in, et cetera. Um, plus, you know, it can be used as a ring light if you need to. But yeah, I, I think it's interesting. It, it's probably a gimmick. I also love the fact that Oppo just releases a new phone every three months because these are- They can. <laughs> they can, right? These are, they're reusing parts, they're reusing designs, and uh, it's aimed at China. And the hunger for new devices in China is 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 astronomical. It's never ending. Yeah. So good for them, right? They can do it. Yeah, and this uh, spy shot, whatever, leaked shot of the, the pro version here shows an aluminum frame. There's antenna bands, which hasn't been on the Reno since the the Reno, whatever it was, the 10X, the one with the, the periscope lens way back in the day. Um, the, the original Reno's were really premium phones, and then they watered down into plastic shell and plastic back to lower price points. And now it looks like maybe the 7 is going to bring that back to more to more valued materials um, which I'm I'm on board because I felt the Reno series those been very mid range, but build quality and materials has really taken a step down since the early days of the Renos. So let's see what happens with this. I'm kind of curiously optimistic. I also think the camera bump design is very cool. Um, it's just another take on the multi tiered thing that that Xiaomi does a lot on all their phones, but this looks really interesting. There's a lot of interesting uh, design details there. So. Might be unique, might be able to distinguish it if you're out in the Philippines or Hong Kong or something where those phones are going to be sold. It's not going to happen for us, though. No. <laughs> it's nice to look at, look at them from nice. far away and say, I wish, 100%. I wish. But. We talked about Pixel earlier. So Pixel 6a rumors are in full swing, which is interesting because that's very early, isn't mm -hmm. it? I mean, based on previous timing, I don't think we're going to wait till the end of the summer this time again. I feel like 2020 and 21 were, these phones were delayed because of supply. I think this year... They really should come out with it in May, right? Yeah, I mean that's when the three A was announced at I O twenty nineteen, and so I would 
I would say it's in their best interest to get it out earlier in the year, not waiting until August. I think it might actually be in Google's best interest to get this out in the Galaxy S22 timeframe, right? Pushing a March or April release. Oh yeah. That might TikTok. be yeah. that might be great. Two um, cycles, yeah. And then we get a, a premium version at in, in October as usual. Although I am in agreement with everybody who says that Google you know, shoots itself on the foot by releasing the pixels so late in the year. So for sure, that's another thing, but whatever. Um, yeah, this looks great. I mean, plastic build, this pixel six design with the pixel five cameras and Google tensor on a exactly. smaller that's, body. Like, come thanks on for summarizing that for us. I was just going to say that's four, I think the, 450 the bucks. Part of, like, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, that looks great. I think it's going to be solid. And again, these cameras are very proven. I know they don't sound very exciting, but look, you know, they can do well with that. And then the Tensor just adds a whole new dimension of what can be done here at this probably 400-ish price point. It's going to be pretty solid. So I hope they can keep the price manageable, basically. You know? Yeah, I, I think, you know, three, 399 to 450 right? If Google was able to leverage its, like the fact that it didn't have to pay Qualcomm to, you know, to buy millions or hundreds of thousands of uh, Snapdragon 765s or whatever in bulk and build its own tensor chip. Like it's going to have those economies of scale for the 6A as well. And I would not be surprised if this is a $399 phone, especially since the 6 is 599. Yeah, I think that would be fantastic. And, you know, you get the same chip. So it's you're getting more horsepower than a 765 which, as we know, is needed because if you see how long it takes to process an image on a Pixel 5a or 5 or 4a, it's just like charting along on the 765, right? So this is good. And uh, no headphone jack, so keep that in mind, though. That's the rumor. I mean, I'm a bit bummed, but I'm not too surprised. Honestly, if this can add wireless charging at $400, you know, I dreaming, don't but think so, but we can, we can hope. Here's the thing, though. I think wireless charging should come to cheaper prices. It's it's just about time. Like it just seems to be taking so long to do that. You know. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, uh, just as a FYI PSA announcement for the audience, the Pixel Two stand, the Gen Two, the Pixel stand with the fan and faster charging capability is on pre-order on the Google site. You probably won't get it till March because supply chain and Google, but it exists. It's a thing. We didn't get review units alongside our 6 and 6 Pros, which tells me it wasn't ready. So I'm using a Pixel Stand 1, the original, with mine, and it's working great. There you go. I am thinking about using the Google One credit that I got from buying my 6 Pro to buy the stand. And then I'm like, what are you doing? You don't need another wireless charger. You don't. Especially if it's... You know what, 23 watt? Meh. It's also I mean, $80, Miriam. Yeah, $80. it's $80 for 23 watt. You know, the, the stand I have right now, chargers on my Pixel 6 Pro, it's 15 watt. And I got it for free from Google with my Pixel 3 and 3XL review units. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm good. I I think I'm, and also it doesn't have no fan. I don't want another fan on my desk. Come on. Yeah. Like, Even though it's, quote, silent. I can hear the fan on the OnePlus 9 charger when it goes. It's back here over my shoulder in the corner of the room where I leave it as a generic Qi charger. But even in charging non-OnePlus phones, it kicks in the fan. Like, <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. By the way, that charger works great with the Oppo Find X3 Pro because it's compatible, uh, fast charging wireless. 
I like that SuperVOOC Air or whatever. Like the soup, the VOOC ecosystem from Op One is compatible with the the OnePlus fast charging across the board for both wired and wireless. It's nice. Yeah. Look, it's anyway, it's fine, but it's fine. You don't need to spend more to get faster wireless charging, especially if most of the time you're just putting it next to your bed, right? Yeah, I would say go out there to eBay and buy a Pixel 1 stand if you want the Pixel stand capabilities that, mm-hmm. that like integrate via Bluetooth with the device. It's It's got some cool features. I personally don't use them. I can be happy, but it's a nice, the, the, the Pixel 1 is nice, the stand, because it has, it's rubbery and it sticks to your phone nicely and it's small footprint and it doesn't have a fan and it's 15 watts. So I don't know, sure you, you need this, but there it is. ASUS's ROG phone 5S, the 855 Plus phone is now available in the US. It is almost December. And I'm like, who would buy this when the next gen Qualcomm chip is going to be announced any second now? And I mean, how much better can it be than the ROG Phone 5 as a gamer? That's a good phone to start with, right? So I'm like, who would buy this? You'd have to be crazy. Or the smartphone for Snapdragon Insiders. Oh my God, I never got my hands on that. I'm kind of <laughs> bummed they didn't send me one actually. But yeah, that thing is a handful, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, these are all big phones. I have the ROG Phone, ROG phone 3 and uh, you know, it's just a, it's a thing, right? It's or- a thing. Gaming phones are a thing. I don't deny it. I think it's important. People love them. I have all the Red Magic phones. I have every single one of them here. And they're great. If you're gaming, they're fantastic, especially at the price points they sell them for. So, you know. That's Nubia, right? Yeah. Yeah. AKZT. Yeah. Well, kind of. Sort of. Yeah. It's, like a It's spin-off. like Vivo is to OnePlus and Oppo. You know, it's like a kind of a tangent, but I think there's some, there's some shenanigans going on at the top there in terms of ownership. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Qualcomm's having their Snapdragon Summit next week in Hawaii. I'll be there. And apparently we're getting a new naming scheme for their chips next year. Because I was wondering what, what are they going to do? 898, 899. Actually, they kind of shot themselves in the foot with 888. I thought it was going to be 875 or something. Anyway, what do you think of this? Uh, honestly, like they're cares, ditching right? the Qualcomm name in front of Snapdragon. They're like making Snapdragon its own standalone brand, and they're only going to associate it with certain, with certain chips, and they're like doubling down on gold. Like it's, it's very much, this is like a marketer's announcement more than anything else. I really don't understand why you or me or the average user who buys a phone would care no. about this, especially since as much work as Qualcomm has done to try to make Snapdragon a consumer-facing brand, it really never will be, and it never should be. Um, so to that end, congratulations to them. I think getting ahead of the intellification of its naming schemes, right? The, Intel just yeah. shot itself in the foot by making all of its new CPUs super confusing to parse, unless you're <laughs> like, you work for a non-tech or something, or, you know. Yeah, some, I have no idea what's going on there. It's it's just bizarre. All I know about Intel chips is it's not ARM enough. <laughs> yeah, it's not <laughs> so, exactly. So screw you. So go, that, back, to your, price go is, back to your hole somewhere. It's depressed and, and people are losing a lot of money. But yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting that's, that, that Snapdragon is going to become more um, more pronounced in, its companies, in the company's marketing. I also think it, it's interesting that Snapdragon is going to start bleeding into more areas, right? That people may not care about Qualcomm 
the parent company, but they may care about, they may know more about Snapdragon because it is consumer facing. Um, and that will maybe help Qualcomm establish more of a foothold in the PC space, in the earbud space, right, with Snapdragon sound. So there are certain things that make sense about this, uh, but the idea that it's going to be called the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. Yeah, the Gen 1 part is is, like, <laughs> is odd because that's what they're doing on the compute side, right? That's They, they have the 8CX Gen 1, 2, and you know, they're going to announce a new one next week. So that's like interesting that they're going, that they're, that they found that to be a successful strategy, even though I don't know if that's actually true. Yeah, it's weird. I I think that, I don't know how you address this. It's a tough one. It it was helpful for us to know that this was a Snapdragon 865 versus 888. And at the same time, like the gen thing is like, where are you going to go with that? Gen 12? Like, I mean, it's going to get really confusing. I kind of almost feel like they should have gone 8.1, 8.2, 8.3, and that way we kind of keep track of things a little better. But again, 8.12, that's confusing because this 8.1 is so close. And, and then you're back to three digits, right? So Yeah, but then they have, they have a decade to figure that one out. Yeah, but I also I think this is, this is a Moore's Law problem, right? This is a fact that Snapdragon, um, we, we took for granted that there would be a 20% bump in CPU performance and a 30% bump in Adreno GPU performance going from an 865 to an 888 to an 898 or whatever. And I think they're realizing that those um, those kind of linear improvements will not be sustainable for the next generations. Well, so plus having it, AI is becoming more important. Power management's getting more, radio is getting more important. Right. So we're not like the problem with us reviewers is that we take those Geekbench style benchmarks and we put a lot of emphasis on them. And if we call the, you know, if we say it's the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 versus the Gen 3, there's not as much expectation that there's going to be a massive performance jump between generations yeah, anymore. You're right. Yeah. That's my theory. I mean, they had to do something about the naming scheme. So I'm glad they're doing something, but I'm not sure. I want to, I want to, I want to see what happens. More importantly, I'm interested in seeing what happens next week in terms of the actual meat of it. Like, right? you know. We'll see. We'll I'm see. excited. I think excited there too. will be some interesting announcements. Not to not to hint or anything, but I do think it's worth it's worth tuning in, even if you're not a Qualcomm stan, like the insider, like the people who bought the insider phone or whatever. Yeah, and and then you know, MediaTek has a Diamond C nine thousand coming, which is should be supposedly competing with at least the eight eight eight, possibly better, and you no know, tensor chip. So I I mean. It's getting exciting. Like I think that everybody's kind of doing their own special sauce, and I think Oppo is working on their own thing. And you know, I think we're going to see more bespoke ARM-designed variations going forward. I think than we see now. You know, in the same way as Samsung has done the Tensor for Google, in the same way as Qualcomm's done the Microsoft SQ chips, there's going to be maybe some hidden and sometimes not so hidden partnerships for custom silicon from MediaTek, Qualcomm, Samsung, Apple probably obviously is going to stay with their own thing. 
But these are all the players right now, and I'm kind of excited about this. I think this is good. I just don't want the world to be a monolithic world of, oh, this phone has a Qualcomm or MediaTek chip or yeah. the odd Exynos. It's boring, you know? Well, it's also interesting that the, the, the ecosystem of it being Apple or Qualcomm or like high silicon is completely blown up two years later, right? Like yeah. MediaTek is now a, a big player, even in, in the flagship space. Google is inevitably going to be there. And uh, and yeah, there's there's just going to be more competition between those ARM vendors. And that's that's good for everybody. 100%. We should wrap up. Daniel, do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, so I I'm now the editor of Android Police, so I'm, I'm I've been there for a couple months, and I'm I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, you can find my work at at AndroidPolice.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JourneyDan, which is where I'm also at on Instagram. And uh, yeah, you know where to find me, folks. I'm at Tank Girl almost everywhere. That's T N K G R L, like the comic book character without the vowels. So drop those vowels and then tweet at me and at Daniel about this podcast. Tell me what you guys think. Ask us the questions you want to ask. And then go to my Instagram for some pretty pictures of phones, pretty pictures of cars, pretty pictures of cars taken with phones. Almost every picture on my Instagram is taken with a phone. So off sometimes the phones, it's meta. Check it out. Then, of course, there is two YouTube channels you subscribe to. YouTube.com slash mobile tech podcast is the main channel. It's unboxing videos, mostly visual content to help you digest what we're talking about. All those phones we just discussed, if I have them, there's a video on the channel. You check them out. And then there's youtube.com slash mobile tech more. It's basically just all this kind of peripheral stuff to mobile, like travel tech, car tech, anything that interfaces with a smartphone, accessories, you know, home automation. So we do some videos there on all these other products. And again, it's like unboxing some reviews. Check it out. Please subscribe to both channels. You know how YouTube works. You like the videos, you know, click the notification bell so you can get told when new videos come comment tell me what you think of the videos with the products whatever if you don't want to comment on twitter comment about the podcast even it's all good and then the podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com that's the url there's an rss feed there if you're old school but of course we're on all the platforms google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, pocket cast spotify you know whatever app you use please consider rating and reviewing the show by the way most listeners are on Believe it or not, iOS. I'm not too surprised because a lot of people use iPhones and want to know about mobile tech. So there you go. Anyway, the other thing I want to do is tell you about my Patreon. Patreon.com slash tankrl. That's patreon.com slash T-N-K-G-R-L. There's a bunch of tiers there. You can help me out if you uh, subscribe to them. One of the tiers has a Discord server that you can join. So you chat with me. But more importantly... There's a video version of this podcast. If you're listening to the free audio version that's nicely curated every week, you can get a more raw, less edited video version of the podcast on Patreon. So check that out. It's one of the tiers. I think you'll love it. A lot of people like it. And uh, yeah, I don't have anybody to thank this week for joining, but uh, I want to thank the existing patrons for helping me out every month. Thanks, folks. And uh, if you want to donate another way, there is a donate link in the show notes. If you don't like Patreon, you want to maybe help me out some other way, there is a PayPal link in there. You can uh, make a donation. I'd appreciate it. And I want to thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible has been with us since the early days of the show. They're a fantastic sponsor. 
check them out. What they will have for you is a 30-day free trial with a book that you keep at the end, whether you stay or not. I think you'll stay though, because if you're like me and you like to read your bookworm, Audible is great. It delivers books in audio format, which is, you know, obviously, but I, such a such a better universe in many ways. I do a lot of driving, a lot of traveling, and I don't always have time to pick up a physical book or I'm too tired to read. My eyes are tired because I'm spending my day in from the computer writing. So, you know, having somebody read me the book is wonderful. A lot of the books are read by the authors, which I think is really cool too. And they have an incredible selection. And, you know, they don't have just books. They have short content, you know, they have like podcasts as well, a bunch of other stuff. So check out Audible, you know, help me out by helping them, audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. Thanks again to Audible for being my longtime sponsor. And Daniel, thanks again for being on the show. Yeah, it was great to be here. Thank you for having me. It's been it's been super fun. Absolutely. We'll definitely have you on at some point in the future. And folks, you know we'll have another show next week. So stay tuned for that. We'll actually be in Hawaii. So until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.